Hello, everybody. Kyle here, and welcome back to a new episode of the Chaos and Shadow podcast. I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you doing this week? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to talk today. We are chatting about Indrid Cold here in a bit. Before we do, uh, just a quick recap. Uh, a huge thank you to everyone that let us have a week off there. Uh, my dog, Louie, had to go in for some kind of sort of emergency surgery. He had a, a dental extraction. His tooth got all infected. So um, a, a huge thank you to those people out there that kicked in for the GoFundMe that's going on. I absolute bless you. Like you got him in there to do the thing. We're still trying to raise a smidge more. So I'll leave that in the description if anyone wants it. But Mr. Lou is back to full health now. He, I, I think Pagan just seems, pro- I think he's getting to be like happier than he was for months, you know, oh, cracked tooth. Like you have no idea it hurts, but like, yeah, he seems um, yeah. much lighter. I, I could totally feel it. Right? I, I could totally understand how he feels because, you know, when you, you get like an abscess tooth or you get like a cracked tooth, wisdom tooth, whatever it may be, it's just painful for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, try being a being who doesn't know how to communicate in English. <laughs> I know the poor boy. So I, like I said, he's, he's now after his like seven days of, of treatment or, um, at post-surgery. So he's allowed to have hard food again, which is nice. So he's getting back on his feet. I'm very happy. Like I said, shout out to everyone that let us take that time and that chipped in. Um, we, we haven't been able to go as deep into Mothman as we first planned, but that's okay Mm -hmm. because I, I think everything with this show, Pagan, falls into our lap for a reason. And, uh, yes been just blessed with the nicest kindest interview folks coming by um we were able to speak with uh connor randall and carl pfeiffer from hellier um you know how much we love hellier anyway they came by the show we bs'd with them we asked some questions about indrid cold and on top of that pagan um i i, I felt really vindicated mid-interview because in one of our last episodes i'd said something like hey you know a good way to tell if you've got the right story is if uh, if they start talking about this Woody Derenberger case we're going to cover today, mm-hmm. if they say that he got introduced as Indrid Cold right off the bat, that's not correct. He only comes with the name Cold. And then lo and behold, uh, Connor's telling us the story all over again and says that. And I was like, oh, vindication. You are hey. so sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just felt good because I, I was like, well, you know, we pay attention to a lot of details here, right? Like we're very mm-hmm. journalistic. And so anytime that someone else really has that attention we absolutely adore it so yes we do and it's been such a wonderful experience to you know sit down with carl and connor to sit down with Devin, and all of the wonderful people that we've got coming up here in the next couple weeks (gasps) they're going to be getting to sit down with us yeah Uh, we got michelle coming back uh katie's eventually going to be coming back with us for those of you for who are some of our og crew you'll remember katie webb she was wonderful she sat down for a couple interviews with us uh, eventually, Laura Tempest-Sackroft is going to be back later yeah. this year. She's got a new book coming out. Oh, and we've got some other really cool announcements coming up, but we can't tell you about them yet. Oh, There's my surprise, so. gosh. Yeah, I, I, I can tease one more <laughs> that one of the next episodes you'll get will be um, uh, Tobias and Emily Whalen talking about the yes. Lake Michigan Mothman. We've been sitting here talking about their book all morning. So we're like already uh, yeah. have that mentally checked off on our thing. But you guys out there listening are going to have that probably... Um, we were doing the Friday interview sort of thing, but we're looking at dropping those on Mondays a smidge more, just getting them as part of the regular mm-hmm. routine so that we don't break our schedules because we want to incorporate a lot more interview folks into our lives. I would expect you get that about the 8th of March, the Tobias and Emily. 
Uh, and just an absolute a, a massive shout out before we dive right in here that we've been having people reach out to us about coming on for interviews. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I thank you so much. Like it is so amazing that people are putting their trust in us to come and like tell their tale like that. That just says a lot to me that people feel comfortable. They listen to it. They like it to the extent they want to join in. So uh, you, you mean the world to us, every, every listener out there. Uh, we're going to do our best to give you a fun Indrid cold story today. And uh, like Pagan said, you've got a lot of cool stuff on the 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 very near burner here in the future. It's going to get real exciting real fast. Yes, we have so many cool things and so much so many other doors continue to open that, you know, we're just trying to see where we can fit all the really cool stuff in because every piece that's getting kind of dropped in our laps is so amazing and so awesome that we're just like, okay, we've got to find a spot to fit this in. Where can we do this? Let's do it right now. <laughs> Agreed. And it's been such an exciting ride. And so we're excited to bring it all to you guys as well, because it, if it excites us, it's definitely hopefully going to excite all of you as well. Yeah. And stay tuned to the very end. Um, we're going to talk to you a very, very briefly at the end about um, some programming notes with what we want to do with some of those guided meditations and stuff like that mm-hmm. we were doing over on Facebook. So Without further ado, we are turning back the clock to a cold and rainy November in 1966. It's November 2nd at approximately 7 p.m. as Woodrow Derenberger, or as we'll be calling him Woody, is driving his van down uh, I-77 to Mineral Wells, West Virginia. He's on his way home when he sees a ship. Coming up beside his truck, he's talking about seeing it in the rear view and thinks it might be a car at first, but then it, it pulls up next and it passes. He notices in this case, Peg, very weirdly uh, to a lot of our stories, he notices no lights with it, clearly mm-hmm. knows it's nothing he's seen before, but wasn't frightened by the encounter at least I, you know I don't know that fright ever comes in, but I'll say he wasn't even bothered by this until it turned crosswise across the highway. So, you know, it went from being like elongated next to him, like a car would be, to actually flipping out in the middle uh, to to, to cover the whole road. Now, it was so big, he noted, that it actually couldn't get past on the shoulder of the highway. Mm -hmm. So, for scale, everyone out there, you can kind of imagine this was a big thing. Now, at this point was when he had to slow down. Uh, You know, of course, something's blocking the road. Gotta stop. Again, not really fear, uh, Mm -hmm. but just the confusion of of what's happening. And at that point, Woody receives a message from a man, a telepathic message from a man that steps out of the craft. This is the point he runs into the man that will introduce himself as cold. He asks him not to be frightened and provides his name. This is where it gets pretty interesting, Pagan. I, I I like a lot of the nuances that Woody included in in the book, and I, I should tell people this is from a uh, um, visitors from Lanulos by Woody Derenberger. Yes. I've been going through that and really really digging it. it. It's a very interesting story, and I love that you know we we have so many pop culture references of aliens that do stuff like this, mm-hmm. and. We see so many of them that come across as frightening. Yeah, like, take me to your leader, do this, and uh, you know, but don't be afraid of me. And it's kind of, you know, you can even have some biblical references of "Do not be afraid," like an angel of the Lord kind of thing. And if you think back to some of our interviews with some of our other people, they do similar stuff that, you know, starts to really kind of question 
who's who and what's what. Um, but that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother day. But beyond that, it's there's so many interesting little correlations that just happen in that brief little window right there that we're getting to see. And it's really cool. And it just gets even better as time goes on. I, I'm really amped about that. I'm really glad you drew that connection. I'd love to do an episode someday. This is kind of a non sequitur right off the bat. But like, I, I learned that there's um, some real things to be dissected in the kind of ancient alien space. Like mm-hmm. there's, I didn't, I, I honestly didn't know because I'm not an ancient aliens expert, but there's some like real racism that runs through that thing that I was being enlightened by people on Twitter, like good people that I was genuinely asking like, what, what, why, why is this stuff coming back up while you know, everything's going on in the world. I, I'm unfamiliar. You know me, I'm a, I'm a Stargate guy, right? Like, I yes. I guess I do believe, I guess the racism in the ancient alien stuff comes in that, like, there's this theory that people, certain cultures were too, quote, stupid to you yes. figure things out on their own. Yes. But in my sense, what you just said of, like, a biblical thing, when I think of, like, an ancient alien idea or of, of something, someone, an extraterrestrial coming, I don't think that has anything to do with people being unintelligent or incapable or anything. No, I, I just see it as, like, well, we have these fantastical stories of visitors coming all the time. I mean, we talked about that with the Fae. We've talked about it in so many different ways of, like, visitors taking people or just enchanting them, whatever it is. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that has to do with racism. I think that's just like, I don't know. I think that's what happens when a, maybe a being comes down to talk to you. And as we're going to see here in a second, like you just said, these these figures, these Lanulosians are actually extraordinarily nice folks. So mm-hmm. they are. And, and it, it's going to it's going to all go around this telepathic sort of thing today. So, again, aside from the ancient alien idea, I think um, I think it's really interesting that folks may be kind of visiting, like you said, preaching this word of of not being afraid. So here's what goes on. So we got the craft landing. It blocks the road. Darren Berger stops his car. Guy gets out of the craft. One thing that should be noted also when he gets out is he's got his hands tucked under his armpits. If you want to do that with me, everyone at home, kind of an interesting uh, kind of way to stand or greet people. Now, I took aside that this is actually a very non-threatening posture because you're actually trapping yourself Um, you know, if you put your hands under your armpits like this, like across your chest, you can't, it's, it's in a way almost shows you're like powerless because you're like clamping down on your hands. Uh, and I wonder how much that ties into these friendly greetings. The interesting aspect, if you look at that from a psychological perspective, that's a very defensive thing Mm -hmm. because you're actually trying to protect your core. Um, and a lot of people who have, um, you know, uh, they, they do say a lot of people who have experienced like abuse and stuff like that, they will do that to protect themselves. So it is a very non-threatening way. Um, it's not, you know, like somebody holding out their hands to you because that's that's more yeah. threatening than, you know, saying I'm going to take my hands away so that I don't actually touch you. And to do that is really an interesting kind of thing that shows a lot of wisdom in a lot of ways that they're, they were very much like, I really don't want to hurt you. I want to be friends. Please don't be afraid of me. Please. Yeah. And in this encounter, they actually share a a couple cool things. So one that I really liked, uh, Cold said to Woody, you're welcome to talk to me however you want, telepathically or verbally, whatever is most comfortable to you. They start exchanging details. He asks what Woody does for a living, where he works, if he works for a living, how that system behaves. He kind of looks off to the distance or kind of gestures off to the distance, asks about lights, 
uh, and that was Parkersburg, a local city. Derenberger explains that it's a place of business and commerce, trade. Uh, Cold explains that they have these on his world called gatherings. Um, in that he says, we wish you no harm, only happiness, uh, and, and, and that he'll get in touch more in the future to kind of follow up with Derenberger, ask some more questions of Woody. And we'll see here in a sec that that, that does continue to happen. Uh, they really left this powerful phrase I, I liked. I noted it here. Cold says, Mr. Derenberger, I am the same as you. I eat, breathe, and bleed, even as you do. In this, in this strong idea that they want, want to connect with us, that they want to really just be friends with us. Uh, at that point, the vehicle, they kind of depart, go on their way. Derenberger goes home and explains to his wife a lot of this, not fear, but an ongoing kind of just overwhelming nature. Could you imagine someone pulling up along the side of the road, blocking your vehicle, Pagan, getting out, telepathically mm-hmm. talking to you? Beyond that, actually having a conversation about like what they call cities and what it means to be of business and trade and what it means to care for other people as as similar entities in the universe. Like, absolutely stunning. You know, and it's really interesting, too, because, you know, if you think back to old cultures, we used to call gatherings where there would be trade that would happen. People would gather. We would, you know, work together. We would do projects together. And this was because at the time, you know, people had farms and large tracts of land that were far away from each other. So to come together in kind of a form of a civilization at that point and gather to do stuff makes a lot of sense. And it really kind of goes, it it makes me really think, you know, had he been here before this or had people that he had known been here before this? And that's where maybe we got the kind of term gathering from and where it eventually turned into a city for us so it's kind of really interesting to think about and if you kind of look back to ancient aliens and that kind of same kind of um i guess timeline and scenario it's really interesting to kind of think about i agree i I think it's i think it's very 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 interesting he also cole described himself as a searcher that's a word he used for himself so to that point pagan i don't know maybe I, I don't fully, I'm not f- completely done with the book. I, I, I've i not had as much time as I'd like to do it, but I it, it picks up. Visitors from Lanulos, if you're doing it in audio format, is only about three hours. But I found the beginning, I had I listened to it a couple times, this first encounter, and I'm, I'm glad it did because a lot of, it's really sunk into my head a lot, uh, a lot of these different little nuances. And I think that's really important. This story is just filled with things that, like you just asked, if Cold is a searcher kind of person, how often do they go out, meet with people like this on a regular basis? We're going to find out a lot more here in a second. I'm I'm trying not to put Mm -hmm. the cart ahead of the horse (laughs) because I just, in my heart, I'm like, I want to tell everyone 20 different things about Andrew Cole, but let me, let me go back to the timeline. So again, got Cold talking to him telepathically explaining, you know, we're just like you. We have business and trade too. This is great. Here's our craft, X, Y, and Z. And at some point, I mentioned earlier that Woody wasn't frightened. But at some point, Cole does ask. He says, why are you frightened? And he goes on to say that his country is much less powerful than ours, which I find to be very interesting. Um, we'll learn that the Lanulosians are very peaceful, it seems, to the extent of being afraid of us. 
because we are a very warring people and we're very dangerous with how we treat one another. So you kind of get one of those little life lessons out of it. We really need, if we want to go and get extraterrestrial contact, we need to be good to each other. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Be nice yeah. to everybody, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So so Cold has this conversation, basically says, you know, don't be afraid. Our country's less powerful than yours. We want to continue communication with you. And he zips off. So uh, mm-hmm. as Woody's on his way home, he, he gets in, wife notices he is visibly nervous. But as I was, kind of alluding to a few minutes ago it wasn't out of just fear of like it's it's not it's not fear about this visitor it is as as woody describes in the book being completely overwhelmed by the craft by the telepathy you know he was having his first telepathic encounter by the sheer amount of stories he was actually told because again this wasn't just some Hey, I'm Chuck. Oh, I'm Bill. Okay, good luck. Have fun in the universe. But, you know, they actually had some amount of exchange and 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 wanted to continue this conversation. So here he is at home. I, I believe it was like, I think he says he stays up almost all night, finally passes out. He has work the next day. Uh, I think it says later his wife admits that she was more, a little more like concerned than he was. Like he was visibly <laughs> stunned. But he wasn't petrified or anything like that. She's like, I was a little bit more frightened and stayed up all all night. Um, but they do relay the story to the police that evening. And interestingly enough, the police claim that two other men had been stopped on that same highway that night. So that's does pretty cool. That mean injured <laughs> cold was greeting a couple folks. I mean, I I guess the definition of what is a searcher in the terms of their people would be the question. Is it to go out and search for civilizations to make contact to, you know, try to, you know, open the diplomatic waters, so to speak. And, and, uh, you know, form those kind of relations with governments and people and worlds. And I don't know, it's kind of one of those things of maybe Indrid's like, okay, we can't just rely on one human. We have to rely on multiples. Let's talk to lots of people. And it's possible that maybe there was even more than those two people that night, but nobody else came forward. Exactly that. That's so true. I got to say, for people that have maybe turned on this episode because they wanted, like, scary Indrid Cold, I got to say, I'm madly in love that Indrid Cold is this super, I don't know if I want to say pacifist, but, like, this super good dude. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because we always have our spooky, scary creatures, but we never, almost never, have our friendly aliens that want us to have bigger contact with the universe at large. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, this story makes me think, well, I, I, hmm. How do I say this? I've been running with that idea for a while that maybe there, maybe the reason we actually can't see much out there in the universe is because we are kind of bubbled in here, that they found a way to um, lock us in a corner because we're too warring to go out <laughs> into the galaxy. and violent. <laughs> and then bada bing, bada boom, this book basically says similar. Like, it's, it doesn't say that, but it says adjacent. It's like... So, so Woody a couple times gets to take some adventures in these craft. Um, the, the next couple encounters he has are actually purely telepathic, dan- very dangerously. Oh, God. How do, well, there's so many things I want to say, begging all at once. Hellier tells us that injured cold may be dead due to a, due to a, a craft crashing, right? Yes. Yes, that well, is very correct. Darren Berger, in his second encounter with injured cold, is driving a car. So Darren Berger's driving 
with a friend in the passenger seat while Indrid's vehicle is floating above them, going down the highway, telepathically communicating with one another. <laughs> and this just sounds, this is before cell phones and, and texting and driving was an issue, but telepathy and driving seems just as dangerous to me. And in the book, I'm, I kid you not, like I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because it's, it's cute to me and I, I love Indrid Cold. But Indrid in the book is like, be careful, Woody. Be very, very careful. Don't take these bends too sharply. Like, oh, can you guys adorable. all stop telepathy and driving now, flying, whatever it is. Everyone land the craft. Get out <laughs> on the side of the highway. Do it the old-fashioned way. Go have a picnic and sit down and talk. <laughs> oh, jeez. But I, that's what I was thinking the whole time I'm listening to this. Again, because the book is pointing at it, too. Woody's like, yeah, I was, I was told to take it slow around the bend. So I'm like, ah. That's really adorable, though. It I is. mean, that he was. Absolutely. You know, Indrid was actually concerned for Woody's safety and while he was driving. And it, it kind of makes you wonder if we're really this very primitive species, which I believe in comparison to a lot of the visitors that we've had to our planet, that we are a little primitive. And that's okay. I think we, we're still going through our growing pains, which is totally fine. And in that regard, it's kind of one of those things of your species is still young. Please take it careful. We'd like you mm -hmm. not to kill yourselves. Stop that. <laughs> and, you know, so it's really kind of cute that he did that, in my opinion. I, I prefer nice, sweet aliens that want to be good to me us too. and tell us to take care of ourselves versus take me to your leader before you blow your brains out. I agree. <laughs> now, I want Indrid to take it cold. Don't know telepathy and driving, Indrid. If you happen to be out there at all, if you survive that crash by chance, you'd be safe, my friend. Uh, a couple or the things. rest of the Indrid's crew be safe. That's right. Um, let's talk a bit for because this is I'm I'm kind of backtracking, but as we get to talk about Lanulosians here, I think this is really important. Shame on me for not saying this ten minutes ago. But let's talk about the appearance of Mister Cold here. Many stories, as we talk Mothman, there's so much getting conflated. Right, we got the Mothman cryptid flying around. We have Indrid Cold nearby. We've got the Men in Black. We have all this happening at once, and I think a lot of storytellers very easily mash it all together, and they blur the lines on what creature is what, especially when it comes to kind of, quote, good storytelling for TV or whatever's sake. Mm -hmm. I think Indrid Cold becomes a man, man in black often, just because that kind of fits the bill. So there's some very big differences, though. Uh, Indrid Cold, about 5'11", 180 pounds, so that sounds right on par with humans. He had a pleasant appearance. His face seemed right and had features that worked. That's very, very big because a lot of creepy men in black stories, which I adore, uh, including one in Mothman Prophecies there, mm -hmm. they are kind of fake humanoids. The skin doesn't yes. sit properly. It looks pale, almost like a, you know, porcelain doll style at times, like there's a lot of features that just don't work, and they're not always consistent across the board. Sometimes I've heard them being like described as almost like a, a face that's like dripping off of them. You know, it's like yes. like a bad <laughs> like, factory print of a doll, right? Like it's just all yes. wrong. These are the discard bin, but or a. a a plastic doll that got too close to a heated right. source or something like that. So yeah, it's very bizarre and kind of disturbing in those regards. And, you know, that's why I think when you hear about the men in black stories, people get really terrified of these men in black. And I think it's their generalized appearance, not that they're being threatening to these people, which they were, 
But ultimately, I think it was more the appearance that scared people because they didn't look normal. Right. They're like facsimiles of humans, just not not the real deal. And again, drawing a big, big separation line, Indrid was, or in this case, again, Mr. Cold um, was not that type. He had expressions that changed, looked normal, had a tan, had dark, thick hair that was combed back over his head. So this, just to draw that line in the sand, Indrid Cold does not appear to be a man in, man in black as, as the typical type. The smiling man sort of thing that was given to Indrid, uh, more attributed to him through another sighting. I'm, I'm drawing on a little bit of memory here, but I believe roughly the same night that Derenberger had that first encounter in 1966, I want to say further up, maybe it's New Jersey or New Hampshire. I want to say New Jersey. I think it's New Jersey. That sounds correct. That they ran across that man along the side of the road there or something, right? And he had that super grin mm-hmm. on his face. I think we actually talked about that in one of the last episodes. But yeah, injured, injured, not man in black. So eventually. I would say probably the more smiling man would probably be more men in black to me. Because the stories of the smiling man, his smile was larger than a normal human's. Yeah. If I remember correctly. And it was just really unnerving and really terrifying. And they kind of were like, oh, it's the same person. But was it? Maybe the men in black knew that Android was doing this. And they're like, here, we're going to go shake it up and scare the crap out of these people so that we throw off his game. And which totally gets into the crazy, like, the third order stuff that, like, Android's being chased and all this other stuff. If you watch Hellier, you'll understand. I can't explain it any better than they do there. Please go check that out. But ultimately, it's a very interesting story in a lot of ways. So if that's the case, maybe that's what's going on. Uh, But I don't I don't personally believe that the smiling man is injured cold. No, I don't think so. So I I looked it up. This is not 100 percent fact checked what I'm about to read. But it says uh, that possibly the first injured cold encounter happened on October 16th, 1966, when two Boys, Martin Munov and James Yanchitsis, sorry, I'm butchering names, in New Jersey were walking on 4th Street when they saw a surreal figure standing near a fence. As they walked closer, the figure was a tall, bald man wearing a metal green suit who was staring right at them with a huge grin. The idiosyncratic man chased them until they got away from him. Then UFO sightings were later seen in the area. The chasing aspect does not seem injured cold at all. No. And if that were him, why would he not telepathically communicate with them being like, hey, how are you? Fun anecdote of a... <laughs> okay, I, the, I, whatever. I'm just telling this fun anecdote now. So Indrid Cold, according to Darren Berger, had so much fun. Like, again, they they really want to be friends with people. So at one point, he's talking... He, he talks with Woody and s- shares telepathically a story from earlier that day where he, he he's actually having a hard time relaying it because he's laughing so hard mentally. But they're oh, they're flying their vehicle openly over a highway or something, trying to get humans to see them, which I think is really interesting. So Indra and his crew are up there flying, trying to get people to see. Finally, this couple pulls their car off to the side of the road. He somehow notices that the woman has a she's more receptive to the telepathic notions um, or at least like in, re- in sending them. So she's basically broadcasting her mental signal, right? And he wonders if she's as good at receiving. Mm-hmm. So he sends her some sort of message 
And the next thing he hears back is she yells to her husband that she peed herself. And the crew up there in the ship just starts laughing so hard because they (laughs) accidentally made this woman wet herself while trying to telepathically communicate. Which, again, you think injured cold, spooky, scary, but here they're accidentally choking. They made this lady pee. <laughs> Whoopsies. Awesome. I mean, it's not awesome. I feel bad for the woman that she got so frightened that she peed. But at the same time, I mean, come on. They weren't trying to actually scare her. They were just trying to be friends. But because humans are so closed off, which it's really interesting that she was broadcasting, which is, you know, broadcasting is something that we talk a lot about in the occult scenarios with um, basically having your psychic senses open. So in that regard, that's really interesting. And begs a lot more questions for how do do psychic people interpret more alien communication than an average person so there's a lot of questions in that encounter by itself but that's still really cute and humorous and i i say it's really cute because they weren't trying to scare her and they thought it was funny that they accidentally did it and they're like oh shit <laughs> whoops <laughs> that's, it's and so great. It's, it's great it's a great scenario and this is just such a wholesome version of cold <laughs> i know that we don't get to hear we get to hear the scary version and i don't like the scary version i, I like know version. well let's talk a little bit more about how great their planet is because i'm ready to go to lanulos uh, Let's go. <laughs> so Woody gets taken there at least once. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go further and say getting him acclimated to the ship was a nice process. This was no scary, like, we're going to chuck you on board sort of deal. Uh, Woody describes it about 12 to 20 feet high, about 45 to 60 feet long. He said it resembled an old kerosene lamp chimney. So those are kind of the chimneys that like a, they have a little bulge thing to them. Go go Google a picture of that. It was dark charcoal gray, and only the door that Indrid Cold came out of was seen. It had a soft fluttering noise when the ship was near. So again, we hear about silent crafts. This one was not totally silent. When he gets invited on board the ship at a point, and actually he's allowed to kind of fiddle around with things, like he presses the button to close the door and all kinds of stuff. At, he tells an anecdote about when he accidentally closes the door, he has like a, a momentary flicker of fear, like, oh my God, they're going to fly off. They've got me now. They've got me. And Indrid's like, <laughs> we're never going to fly off without your consent. Like, this is, you're in control here. We're we're fine. You do your thing. <laughs> so, That's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> I know. They eventually take him to Lanulos for a visit. Um, he actually goes, they take him places on Earth first. Uh, he sees the Amazon rainforest, I believe. And at one point, I thought this was interesting. At one point they fly over Iraq. And the reason I think that's interesting is there's a lot of reports of UFOs over Iraq and what that might mean with all like the Soviet invasions there with, you know, the, the American stuff as of the last two decades or whatever it's been like all of that kind of animosity of the nuclear weapons in the region all that sort of chaos we get some interesting reports out of that region because of that so i just thought it was weird though that of all places that's where he chose to take him i think i would have batted less of an eye if he took him to france or something for some reason i just wouldn't have thought much of that but again it's that weird like iraq war bombs Lots of countries involved that all have big intelligence programs. Who knows what's going on? Um, also, the Mesopotamian thing also very interests me. And you know, if that's like the, quote, cradle yeah. of life of some gods and all that history, like, I'm just fascinated by what's 
in the what's going on underground over there. <laughs> so, uh, getting back to what part? Pardon my 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 diversion there. So they're going all around the world. Um, they go off to to Lanulos at one point. Doesn't get to land, but he does get to see it. Uh, he's actually able to wave out uh, at some sort of window. At people they you know see him wave back. He eventually gets a chance to go. Gets they're actually concerned. We we need some Indra these days. Concerned about spreading germs between worlds that's why he couldn't go to the ground Aww. at first so they said you need to get that's inoculations against you know both us and your stuff both ways so um he eventually goes back gets the inoculation lands and um the people are super freaking welcoming like he describes this society as one of like the nicest uh most loving groups of people he's ever run into um he, he talks about they do have a fear of him on the contrary. Like they're super loving. They're not, you know, not giving him love, but they, they taught or they telepathy with him uh, in some conversations about being afraid of earthlings because we're so known for being warring. What do you- yes. I think that that's very, very true with us because if you think about it, like all of the, all of every country on this planet, at least once has thought about, going to war with someone else yeah if not has gone to war multiple times so i can totally say that their fears are justified in that regard and it's very interesting i do have one question though since i I haven't gotten the book yet um what type of like inoculation did he have did the book say i don't think so well uh it says at some point he gets some sort of injection and then gets hosed down with like a, a decontamination sort of thing. But I don't think I got much more than that. But it wasn't anything traumatic or like it's described mm-hmm. in some things where it's like a terrible, terrible thing. He's like, nope, I bing, bang, boom. Um, and then shortly after, I think he goes to like Indrid's house and like his Indrid's wife, Kimmy talks to like shows them how they clean clothes and stuff there like they're they're like going on and just having a good life like just chatting about all kinds of stuff they were good friends and it's funny if you guys watch hellier season two you actually get to sit down with tanya um woody's daughter and she actually says that they are lifelong family friends she knows um his sons very well she knows, uh, and these are Indrid sons, and she knows the crew very well, that, that they were all very good friends with each other. And so when the, you know, the crash was reported to her, they came to her and they told her about it. And it, it was a little cloak and dagger the way that she claimed that they came, like they came after the, because she's in a nursing home. And that they came after like the cloak of darkness and when like the orderlies weren't around and the nurses were all on break and everybody was in bed, that's when they came to her. So it's really interesting that that's the case um, instead of just coming in like, you know, a normal person. But I, I don't know. It, like that's the one thing that I'm just like, okay, if they seem so normal, why did they do it this way instead of doing it the way that we would with during visiting hours? Um, but you know, ultimately it was still a very interesting scenario. And the fact that they talk a lot about the family, um, Indrid's family was very cool. Yeah. And I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if, um, I don't know if the Lanulosians actually talk out loud and I, that'd be the one thing I'd wonder if it would prevent them from coming like through the front door. I don't know. I, I'm not certain. So the one thing I really also didn't grab here is uh that i'm not sure what indrid cold and them were wearing on earth 
it should be noted that on their planet, uh, they are semi-nudists. Like, when the weather is warm, they don't wear clothing, apparently. To the point that, like, Woody even talks about how he joined in at some point. Like, he was really uncomfortable with it at first. But then he's like, yeah, this is a telepathic group of people. Like, you don't really have the same weird stigmas and barriers you do on Earth because people aren't, like, judging you for your... You know, we always have, like, the shame of being naked, right? It's a very religious thing. It's a very cultural thing, whatever. But they obviously don't have that. So... Uh, they're all having fun. He's going to a mall. He's seeing things. He's chatting with people. He's noticing very little, like there's no conflict because again, everyone's telepathic and can get, get along in that way. He notices and asks if the society is a communist society to which they explain it's not, but it basically is because everyone gets what they need according to their need. So it's divvied out by like family size and need, but no one goes wanting. He said, no one ever goes wanting. They do That's have- really awesome, though. I like it, right? It sounds like I'm good. I want to live there if that's the case. <laughs> uh, everyone does have a job, but it seems to be like something that they like and are good at in that way. I mean, to some degree. I mean, that sounds like it, it sounds like what we would call an idealistic society. So where you actually get to do a job that you don't despise. So you're happy going to work and happy contributing to society. You get all of the income essentially that you need you get housing you get food you get to be taken care of and mm-hmm. so it's a very ideal idealistic society in that regard and it's very interesting that that's type of society and they also have no war and they just seem very open and happy so it, if we can, it's one of those things when you look at it you're like we could take a page out of their book and learn from them. <laughs> they could teach us like 10 million things and we need to learn them. <laughs> I agree. Now, this is going to be a really good one to talk about because here, here's there's one one thing about their society I kind of cringe on. But at the same time, I'm not sure if it's just because I don't understand the wording. Uh, before I dive in this next section, though, I want to say I find it interesting. This book was written by a man who at the time of the encounter it was 1966 West Virginia um, not a very progressive place. If you, well, I know I, I lived next to West Virginia. It's very anti-progressive. I, I don't know about Darren Berger himself. I have no idea. Um, but it does seem un- un- uncommon for a man in the 1960s during kind of like the Red Scare of the co- you know, of communism, all that stuff. We were attacking homosexuals, you know, blacklisting all these people. All this stuff was bad, bad, bad. And when he talks about this other world, it is this very optimistic place. So uh, they actually teach kids about sex in school. So there's a very like positive vibe there. He's like, people don't have all these weird rooted issues like we do. Um, their, Their education just seems to be very open in that sense. They have a guiding council that oversees everything that people could need. Again, with all the telepathy involved, pretty easy for them to divvy up stuff. Uh, He talks about going to an orphanage that was extremely idealistic. He's like, there there is an orphanage. Okay, he says that, first of all, there is a limit on how many kids families can have because they're very concerned about, pardon me, overpopulating and, you know, destroying the environment. So they can only have two kids, uh, but you can adopt as many kids as you want. And he talks about how beautiful these orphanages are, how they're wonderfully staffed. There's like at least a person for every kid there. It's all about actually recreating a real home. Uh, it's all this society that's based around stuff now are, are good principles. This one stands out to me as strange, but they all believe in the same God. And at first I'm like, okay, I don't know. You know, that seems a little weird, but 
for whatever it's worth, however you choose to take that. He says that they have these like very short little sermon things that they can go to, which is all about just sharing thanks and love for for one another and for, you know, whatever their protector spirit is. Um, It's just about asking for protection from evil and just little things that they kind of need here and there. Uh, But describes it as this huge like showing of of love. So I don't know. I, I you know me, I'm not a big organized I, I religion man, but <laughs> I wonder if they're like talking to some sort of different s- sort of entity. I have no clue. I don't know, but I mean, it kind of does, I guess, beg the question of when you look at the divine, maybe there is a divine that is, you know, kind of blessing this planet essentially. And, or maybe it's a collection of divines, but they just all lump them under the same name. And so, in that regard, like, there's just so much that I feel like the Langolosians could have taught Earthlings. And I feel like they tried. And I feel like they're still going to continue to try. Bless them for doing so. Uh, But it's wonderful that they were so open with uh, Woody and, you know, showing him all of this and being like, look, this is how we live. You're you're going to be friends with us. You should at least come see our home and yeah. see where we come from. And you know, this is where we grew up. This is you know my third grade teacher, whatever you want to call it. But like something that was very normal, even in our society during that time period, was getting to know your friends, getting to see where they came from, getting to hear about their childhood and see their homes and spend time with them. And like intimately kind of getting to know them. And I'm not saying intimately in a sexual nature. I'm saying intimately in a very loving nature. Yeah, of course. So in those kind of ways, it's a very wonderful like friendship and relationship that they had with each other. I agree. I I support this wholeheartedly. Andrade, if you are no longer with us, bless you wherever you go. Yeah. (laughs) It should be said that even during the first encounter with, Woody along the side of the road that he did encourage Woody to report this to the encounter to his local officials and all that. Um, And it's noted later on in the book that Indrid really wanted the Lanulosians and the Earth folks to be very, very good friends Um, to the degree he really, I I think that's why he was trying to get people to see his craft above the highway. I think he was trying to force a conversation because it's implied in the book that the earth governments did not want to have open and honest conversations with their citizens uh, with the Lanulosians. Like that was that big, that was not going to happen. And so that's what kind of, I, I, I think I take it that injured them kind of brings some high f- qualities like the star Trek TNG crew does in some ways that like, you can't break mm-hmm. the prime directive. You can't, you can't just overthrow governments whenever you don't like them. So I think Indra did his thing. I think they tried to get people to see the message. Uh, as we dive into in Hellier, there might have been other things that maybe prevented him from doing so. Mm-hmm. But very quickly, my last little story to get people just interested back in what's going on, maybe pick up a copy of Visitors from Lanulos. He mentions a story about these critters called humanoids. They're human-like creatures. And when I say humanoids, that's the proper 
name for them, not like that's a humanoid figure over there. I, I, these are quote humanoids. So these humanoids, they have like red around their eyes. They also have some like fur on them that's a little bit reminiscent of a chicken, but you wouldn't notice it from further away. Now, Woody recounts this thing where he had friends, I believe, that were getting their stuff. They, they, friends are driving home. I think it's a, a couple, husband and wife, maybe. They get pulled off to the side of the road uh, and this these entities, these humanoids meet them. They take some of their things, which immediately made me think of Benny and or Betty and Barney Hill. I'm sorry, uh, mm-hmm. when they had some of their stuff taken and, and like damaged. So in this case, they had I think a watch and maybe shoes taken. Uh, the the humanoids say, "Come back tomorrow to get them back. We're just looking them over." So they leave this couple, kind of, sort of in a daze, almost like the hills. Uh, they somehow talk to Woody about this. Woody could at the time telepathically reach out to Indrid very easily. So he sends out a message to his, you know, his buddies from Lanulos and says, hey, what's going on here? Who are these other people? What's what's being stolen? Or he actually thinks it's, you know, Indrid and them. Like, are you guys taking this stuff? What's happening here? Indrid meets up with them. Uh... Interestingly enough, one of their meetups is at the end of a highway, a highway under construction, which is something, you know, liminal spaces and all that. Mm-hmm. And explains what the humanoids are. He kind of injured and the crew chase them off, um, explaining that they are visitors from outside of our universe, is what the book says. They had apparently pink ships that Woody says were reported all over the U.S. and other countries at that time. I have not seen this myself. I haven't looked that up. So if anyone out there knows about these pink ships in the 1960s, let me know, because pink doesn't ring a bell. But apparently, after the scare-off, they were not seen anymore. Like, Indrid and them, scooted them out. Uh, Basically, these humanoids have a policy in their planet that, like, the last person to touch something owns it. So they're not malicious evil, uh, but they do have a thing. (laughs) Yeah, they're very Fae-like. If you're a Star Trek fan, they sound a little bit like the Ferengi in a way. Like, they're they're trying to, like, just lightly swindle you out of things. Exactly like the Fae, right? Just lightly Mm -hmm. take your stuff, and then um, who knows? And That that is kind of what happened to the Hills. It makes me think of when Betty had that tablet uh, or whatever that thing was she was going to bring home with writing, and they kind of take it from her last second. It all made that come to mind. And then the book, he says, that Indrid confirms that these these humanoids were the ones that took the hill. Oh, wow. That's yes. cool. So that's where, that's the last I've got for everyone. I, I leave you with that little bombshell. Indrid Cole thinks the hills <laughs> are abducted by humanoids. I think it's really cool that he knew the story of the hill, hills. And I, I don't know, um, because, you know, totally different time period. I don't know exactly how the press would work if, like, the hill story was very nationally reported at that point. Or if it was just more kind was. of, like, statewide and locally reported. Uh, but either way, that's still really cool that um, Indrid knew of the hills and knew that, yes, these humanoids were those types of creatures which is interesting and it kind of makes me go have the humanoids returned mm. are they still coming around are they completely gone and they're like no you guys the lanyolosians can have earth we'll just go somewhere else that is a but really a lot of questions yeah there's a heck of a lot of questions that, that, that come up because of this and i i gotta say i'm so interested to just continue to learn more i think um 
for people out there. I hope we didn't burst anyone's, well, I don't know. Maybe I hope we did burst your evil and cold bubble. I think you can still absolutely have spooky times with the men in black because the men in black are absolutely tied into Mothman. They are, I can think of at least two encounters, specifically one in Mary Heyer's office where one comes in and specifically is like, do not write about these stories anymore. And Mary Heyer being a badass is like, you're not going to stop me. <laughs> now, unfortunately, Mary Heyer did not live much past the bridge collapse. So I like, you know, she's like one of those characters I freaking dig, but I don't know. Did that have something to do with it? Like, I'm not trying to make light of someone's, you know, passing, uh, though this was in the 1960s. Like, I, there's so much going on. And I think that's what makes this case wonderful is the depth of it. What did the government, what was their involvement? What about these other people? What about these ex extraterrestrial governments that apparently are involved mm -hmm. what is what and you know are, are the lanulosians the same ufos that people were seeing around mothman and or is it different ones is it the others like the third order or the humanoids who are these other you know ships where are they coming from and you know even now it kind of really makes you go there's so many different shapes and crafts out there are they the same are they different are they good are they bad who are they? Why are they here? Are they just mm -hmm. here to say hi? I mean, there's a lot of questions, and I think it'd be really cool to have some more modern day evidence from these folks, but I don't know if we will. I agree. Um, I heard Greg Newkirk say something very recently that was like, you know, if these, if, if like the UFOs are trying to get people's attention, like that's why mm -hmm. they're out there floating around. And I just shared with you. Uh, Boing Boing has an article from February 22nd titled, An American Airlines crew reportedly saw a cigar-shaped UFO yesterday, similar to the video from three years ago. I should also say our friends over at the Singular 14 have this article too, and they submitted a FOIA request. So pay attention to their site, Singular 14 Society. Uh, they, they will have more. But uh, basically, so... February 20th, what I say, 22nd, it was this article. Uh, what's the actual date of the thing? Uh, February, like 20... February 23rd. That's weird, um, right? Why is it a day? Eight. How's the article published a day before the uh, the actual thing so, oh, here? Was, I'm sorry, that was No, you're update. fine. Oh, 21. Um, there we go. Uh, okay, so, so the incident happened on the 21st. The article came up the 22nd. They probably amended it on the 23rd with these updates yes. here. That's what it, it does say update at the front, so I just can't read. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, February 21st, American Airlines flight is happening and um, a Tic Tac shaped craft goes over their plane. So much so they, they radio it into the tower and ask if there's anything else flying up there. Described as a long cylindrical object that almost looked like a cruise missile when the plane was flying over New Mexico. Makes me wonder, it just, it all makes me think back to this like Lanulose, Indrid Cold stuff. They were good people trying to spark a conversation, not trying to abduct people. I mm -hmm. wonder, I don't know how much I buy into to Woody's book. I, I'll be honest. I step away with a fractured brain being like, I part of me absolutely wants to believe this. But another part of me also seems part sees parts of it as very whimsical. And potentially very, very, um, you know, fictitious. I'll be honest, I don't feel the fictitious vibe so much as I get that response from other people. <laughs> I, I feel like that he did his best to describe a 
very, and I'm not saying supernatural in like an ooh, ah, ghosty, Mm -hmm. scary. I'm saying supernatural as in something that is not natural to our world. So I feel like he, he did his very best to describe a very supernatural experience. And it would, it's just, I find it super cool. I'm, I'm a believer. I probably will be, but maybe, you know, I'm a weirdo for being a believer, but I like being my weirdo self. So I support it. I, I am too. I, I think, I think it's, you know, when it comes to injured cold, um, he was an awesome individual. The Lanyolosians sound awesome. And I'm sorry that humans are such buttheads that we can't have nice things. So yeah. <laughs> I agree. Come visit. I think that's the thing. This story really fits into my personal jive of, of how I see things, which is I do see us humans as so destructive that like I I would not let us out of our own solar system at this point. <laughs> like I love outer space, but also as a good moral ethical person, I know that humans in 2021 have shown no meaningful progress towards ending slavery, ending the destruction of environments, of animals. It would be, I would be the big trademark Satan if I said, yeah, go out there and colonize the galaxy because I'd be also condoning thousands, billions of lives to death, right? Like I would be the trademark evil. And so I'm like, I love the idea of colonizing, but we got to fix ourselves at our core level first. And that's what mm-hmm. this story weirdly touches on is like when we're greeted on other worlds and they're like, oh, yeah, you're kind of evil colonizers. <laughs> you're not going to kill us, are you? I think Derenberger actually tries to explain at one point in the book that it's more of the governments that go to war, not like the individual folks, not the individual people. But um, that's obviously hard to explain. I mean, we we do that sort of judgment all the time. We We consider yeah. people's governments to be the same as the individual that lives in them. And that's. Not true, not fair, and I think it all just goes back around. We gotta gotta be good humans to each other, to our animals, to our planet, and yeah, that's where I'm gonna leave it today, to Pagan. To our visitors, supernatural. <laughs> yeah, of all supernatural kind of ex- experience, I feel like we should be nice to our visitors. I agree, um, wholeheartedly. They, they'll be nice to you if you're nice to them. Hopefully. I agree. I think this was a gorgeous episode on Injured Cold. I really hope I got a lot of the facts right, as per they are relayed through uh, Woody Derenberger's book, Visitors from Lanulos. Highly recommend you mm-hmm. check it out. It is on uh, check it out. It's on Audible and uh, Amazon, probably on a lot of other bookseller sites as well. You can use our links uh, to get that. So if you go to chaosandshadow.com, we have links that have the book. Pagan throws that into the show notes uh, for the episodes. Yes. So chaosandshadow.com forward slash news. You can get over to our blog there where we have taken a little bit of time off in February to rest the brain. But here's the part where we talk to you about what we're thinking. We were doing Facebook lives on Sunday nights. Uh, February (laughs) had a lot happening on Sundays between Valentine's Day and Super Bowl. So what we're actually thinking now, uh, Pagan, right, we're going to maybe consider making these into evergreen style YouTube videos and stuff. Is that is that where we're headed? I I think I think that's eventually where we're going to be headed. Um, you know, I think we may do one final guided meditation on oh, Sunday. Great. The you guys all uh, this will be passed by the time you get this episode. 28th. It would have been Sunday the twenty eighth. Yeah. Um, but from there on out, you can probably just go ahead and look forward to YouTube videos from us, and they will be all embedded in the blog. You can just go again to chaosandshadow.com forward slash news. That's where they will be. They will be posted up on Sundays. We will continue with our occult Sunday theme. And so we're just going to continue to do that. And 
it's nothing against Facebook. It was nothing against, we're still going to be in our group. We're still going to have them posted up there. If you guys want to talk to us about stuff in there or have suggestions, that is definitely the best place for you guys to reach out to us along with Twitter. Those are the two best places to find us. So uh, in that regard, definitely join the group. Definitely talk to us and continue to enjoy Mm -hmm. the content. And we have so much other cool stuff in the works that you guys are just going to be overloaded with amazing. (gasps) We are in the best way on (laughs) interviews until like May, I think we're kind of booked through May on interviews, which is just wild. Like almost to June. Yeah. So, and we have a couple um, people coming back around, but these are folks we haven't talked to in six months. So it's like a long time since we've had them back around. And then we've just interspersed so many cool new folks coming up with some of their conventions that we're going to be talking about, um, some of their projects. I can tease that I'll be involved in a in a certain uh, convention way this summer that I'm very excited for. I'll give you more news when I can about that. But it's something Pagan and I will be attending. And uh, we hope you do as well. We'll keep you posted on all these different things. We absolutely want to bring interviews in as more of a, a a way of doing the show. Like we like our investigative stuff, but we love talking to people that actually have done hands-on investigations too. So in the future, one of the things that we've been tossing around is like we did with the Mothman case here. How can we start bringing people to the show to talk about things that we want to know about, if that makes sense? Like, if we're, like, have a wild hair to talk about uh, Andrew Cold, who do we call up? Well, we got actually a lot of friends that do Mothman stuff, so we tap them and, and bring them by for it. So that is the plan as we go forward to continue doing investigations, continue doing some of them on our own, also where we can really, really um, synergize with our listeners, with our, our friends out there doing the investigations, bring everyone by for for chit-chat. Yes, and a big part of that, too, is, you know, uh, Kyle and I can't really get out and do the investigative work ourselves, so we're very limited in our investigations. We have to rely on, you know, information that's coming from external sources that's already been done by someone else. And even then it's kind of questionable whether or not that information is hundred percent reliable without doing the investigation ourselves. Mm -hmm. So having, you know, good friends who have gone there, done the investigation, who can relay their stories to us and talk to us about that, that just kind of really gives these investigations a leg up in a way that we can't give you because we can't go out and do the investigations ourselves right now and so we we absolutely love sitting down and talking with our friends and we're looking forward to talking to more friends and we have so much other cool stuff um we've also got some other cool stuff that's going to be coming to the blog fairly soon uh we're going to be doing some highlights on a lot of our creator friends Mm -hmm. art and their creations because there's so much cool stuff that's coming out and we feel like it just deserves the most awesome attention. Uh, One of the first pieces I'm actually working on is from a good friend of mine, Alex. She gave me permission to actually highlight a embroidery piece on Mothman that she did for her husband. Oh, that's amazing. Look forward to that. We've also got some book reviews that are going to be coming up as well. Yeah. And some booklets. Book book lists, book reviews. We got some guest bloggers that are going to start coming by and doing some of their pieces. So here's the deal. Here's the TLDR. 
if you're out there and you're confused what Chaos and Shadow is doing, you need look no further than the news at any one time. That is going to be your surefire place to collect all of like the hard information on the show. If I, yes. I admit we don't always toss it up there if we're going to have a week off because that'll usually go up on Twitter. But if you're like, what's what's what did I miss? What happened last week? I'm out of the loop on this. Click that blog because we've done a good bit to organize it too. So the mm-hmm. tag should work decently. We do our part to link all the other past interviews and stuff at the bottom where relevant. So uh, dive into that content, just absorb that all. Leave us some reviews, by the way. If you want to leave a five star review, that'll be my final ask of the day. Go over to iTunes, go over to wherever you can, whatever platform, whatever they use, because everyone's got something different these days. But give it a like, give it a five star, uh, write up a little bit about why you like the show. That stuff all helps us get more listeners. And most importantly of all, share it with some friends if you got it, because, you know, that's what we're after here. We're building friends. We're building a community. We're building a, a whole place where we can just share our weirdness and most of all, our care and compassion for one another. They planet all the animals here. So, Pagan, yeah. what do you say we get out of here? Wish these Let's people a great week. Thank you for listening to us, folks. You make our uh, you make us have these happy times. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye.